HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because, to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Campari. For more information, visit Campari.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. We have a great show for you today. It's actually the last show of our summer season. We're going to be returning back in the fall, September 14th. Well, I guess that technically still is summer, but that's considered our fall season um, with a great uh, roster for you. We'll have a ton of shows. I will be uh, well-rested because I'm just not going to do anything between now and then and just save up all my energy until September 14th. Um, I also want to remind you that uh, we come to you at live at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays. It's our somewhat new time, I guess, in, in the fall season. I'll stop i'll stop saying that um and uh you can listen to past episodes on heritageradionetwork.org you can also subscribe on itunes and stitcher and uh please do leave us comments they they help they're awesome and uh, i really appreciate it also uh kind of timely um you can find me all summer at altalini at the highline hotel known for our frozen negronis um, we will actually be closing on October 9th as it's an outdoor only space. I would love to see you there. Great wine, great cocktails, beautiful garden. I would love to see you there. And I also just want to give a uh, quick shout out to um, uh, a movie that I just saw that was produced by uh, my favorite uh podcaster uh ira glass from uh uh from npr uh this american life he just produced a movie 
called Don't Think Twice, uh, starring and written by Mike Birbiglia, who's one of my favorite comedians. It is awesome. You guys should definitely go see it if you can. Uh, Don't Think Twice. Okay. uh, Have a great show. I'm really excited. I have two friends who are in from out of town. Um, They were uh, uh, New Yorkers for a little while, Um, moved to California, opened up an outstanding wine retail store. If this store was in your neighborhood, you would count yourself to be extremely lucky. Uh, it is Bay Grape Wines in, uh, in Oakland, California. Alyssa and I went recently uh, and uh, had a, just a super awesome time. It's a really cool place. Outstanding wine, great neighborhood, uh, uh, and just great neighborhood store. We have the owners of Bay Grape, Josiah Baldovino and Stevie Stasianis. In the studio, welcome to In the Drink. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Woo, woo, woo! Yeah. Thanks for having us in the heat of summer and for not bringing the frozen Negronis today in your pocket. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> they would have melted. They're not good melted. I've tried. I've tried to have them not frozen, and it, they're kind of gross, actually. I'm sure they are. I, did, no. I didn't realize this, but when you make something very cold, it seems less sweet. It, the oh. sweetness is uh, less less intense but if you were to drink the frozen negroni not uh frozen it is it's gross legitimately gross quite sweet too sweet that's okay thanks anyway for having us we're really super honored to be here i'm very excited and it's fun to come back to new york when it's so hot um and it's beautiful to be here yeah, so you guys are both uh, wine experts by all accounts. You've worked in restaurants, retail store, writing, um, all, all different levels of the of the wine industry. Can you tell me? Can you tell us how how you met? I imagine it's it was an industry sort of uh, thing. And I should say you're you're married. They're, they're this, it's like the best story, the best store. A beautiful, awesome married couple with killer wines and an adorable puppy, and now a baby and it's. <laughs> Or soon to be baby. Uh-huh. How did you guys meet? Did you meet in the industry? Yeah. So uh, Stevie and I used to work together at um, a really fancy restaurant called Il Fernayo in <laughs> Pasadena. Um, I was a bartender. She was a server. And it's funny because we actually we we were cool with each other. We were friends, and then we had a blowout. And I thought she was hitting on me, and she wasn't. And then uh, he asked for my number. Yeah. I told him no. And then we got in a fight, and then I was like, well, F this girl, I don't really care. And then we went on a wine tasting trip that everybody was supposed to go on, but... It was uh, supposed to be a full staff tasting trip up to Santa Barbara that our manager had set up so that we could do a little bit of wine education. And Josiah and I were sort of independently just starting to get into learning about wine. And each other. And uh, Not yet. (laughs) And on the day of the trip, everybody flaked out, except the two of us. So we go anyways... And at that time, I was trying to be smart with my money, so I sold my car and bought, like, this real beater of, like, a truck <laughs> from the shady mechanic. And everything was supposed to be fine, and we go up, we have a great time, uh, we taste lots of wine, get kind of silly. Well, first of all, I have to give credit to, to Josiah, because at our first at our first visit, it oh, was yeah. raining out, and he came around and he opened that janky truck door for me, which no, no guy, friend or not friend, had ever opened a door for me. Really? And then he carried the umbrella over my head as we walked in. And wait, wait, can we just stop for a second? So he, the owner of this restaurant organizes a trip, but then he's like, "But you guys need to go up there yourself." No, or everybody, everybody canceled. All the other like servers and and bartenders, bartenders yeah. flaked the day of the trip. Like everybody was like, "Oh, I can't make it." So we show up like, "Oh, the team ready to go," and it's like the two of us. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think it and was And so you fun. have to drive up there yourself. So we had to drive up ourselves. So Josiah drove in the janky truck, and then we get to the first spot, and he holds the door and the umbrella for me, and then... I was completely unprepared and started having feelings for him. Yeah. And we had a wonderful tasting time. It was great. We visited a few wineries, went yeah. out to dinner to try to sober up, and then... And then we're driving home, and then out of nowhere, the car just starts smoking. No. We pull over to the side. I call the shady mechanic. I tell him, the, like, what's going on? He's like, you got to tow it down here. Like, it's not good. And then we find out that uh, it's that, past like business hours, so yeah. no nobody can tow us back. Like, is it still miles. raining? No, it wasn't raining okay. anymore. thank God. I'm calling my grandma, trying to borrow her AAA. Like, we were just like stuck. <laughs> so then we end up getting a tow to Carpinteria, and we stay at the Motel Six. Um, we totally got two beds. Yeah. Wait, so you go from like <laughs> hating each other or like, at least not being interested to like staying in a motel together. Well, yeah. there was like a Shit small, small period of like, okay, we're getting along again. We had stopped hating each other. Like we're friendly. It's yeah. cool. And I don't know. He just turned on the charm. And then I wasn't even trying to either. You just like really wanted a piece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can you blame me? <laughs> So anyway, I think only one of the two Motel 6 beds was used, and then the rest was history. The rest is history. Yeah. And then you guys moved <laughs> to New York for a while. Yeah, we yeah. were out here for three years mm-hmm. on the button. Yeah. Three years. Uh-huh. So Josiah mostly worked for uh, Daniel Boulud, a Dynex group um, with Michael Madrigal. And I was mostly... Well, I, I spent a lot of time up at Crush um, doing their like marketing, email communication kind of content creation, um, and then went down and helped Laura Manic open Cork Buzz. Uh, and then we decided that we weren't tough enough to hang in New York. <laughs> yeah, so was the plan to always move back, or was there, like, a kind moment or like, you know... It was, like, for me, I think for both of us, it was, like, going to college. You know, like, we, we wanted to come out here, get some experience... And it's true. I mean, like, if you come out here and if you can make it, you can go wherever it is that you come from and, and your resume is that much shinier. Um, so that was, like, pretty much the whole goal. I was just tired, man. I was getting so many gray hairs just from, like, everything. Like, even just doing laundry was a little bit harder. Um, but I'm really glad we came out here and did it because I don't think we would be where we are without it. And when did the idea, I mean, yeah, your time here, you're working with great, I mean, with Laura Manick, with Mike Madrigal, and Crush, like these are great people to, to know and uh, so giving with their information and love of, of wine. Undoubtedly. Um, uh, when did you know that uh, not only we're going to move back, but we're going we're gonna to open up a retail store? Because you didn't do that right away, right? You no. worked at Mina for a while. Yeah, I ran the program at Michael Mina in San Francisco for about four years. And I think I don't know. We were just both kind of had it on our on our minds. Like eventually, we would like to open our own thing. We weren't quite sure what exactly, and then just things kind of fell into place. Uh, I think we were both given a lot of amazing opportunities to kind of start to like stretch our wings and explore and play with new ideas um, under the people that we were working for in all of those positions. And they were wonderful men- mentors that also knew enough to like let you try things and mm-hmm. really gain experience. Um, And then in the Bay Area, we were living in this really cool neighborhood in Oakland, which is where we ended up opening the shop. And there, well, so 
it's the it's the most densely populated neighborhood residentially in Alameda County, which is the county that Oakland is within. Um, but commercially, our little corridor was just really underdeveloped. And it felt like there were so many people that were so passionate about food and beverage and community and, and supporting Oakland, but had to go to different neighborhoods to do it. And so a lot of vacant spaces in the neighborhood. And we happened to see this one that had been vacant for almost three years. Um, and one day we were walking by and the paper that was up in the windows had fallen down and we could see inside and it was stunning. You've seen the space. It's amazing. Yeah. We didn't do that much to change it. Really? It's, it's gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, it's these really high ceilings with skylights and floor to ceiling south facing windows in the front that look out at Lake Merritt and it's incredible. So the fact that that was left vacant for almost three years just blew our mind. So we kind of casually started talking, like, what would you put in there? Wouldn't it be cool to have something? And that conversation just started. Well, it, it kind of never stopped, I guess. It, mm -hmm. it kept ballooning. And eventually we talked about reaching out to the landlord and floating him an idea. And he was really into it. And it's probably into like someone actually paying rent <laughs> you know, after for three sure. years. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But of course, like that's something that adds to that community. It adds to that neighborhood. You see, I remember going in there and just seeing people hang out in the wine store, which, you know, something that maybe you can't do in, in New York because of our, our laws. Mm -hmm. Like you can't sit and drink and, and hang out. But people, were, it, it just felt so, so nice. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like cheers, you know, like people come in. They meet new people. They hang out. We've had a couple people come in. They end up hooking up. Not there, but like later, like somewhere else. That's true. Um, we actually have a couple that met at Bay Grape and are now having a baby shortly after what? me. So yeah, full circle. Very crazy. proud. I love We're when stuff literally like that creating happens. the next generation yeah, of Oaklanders. We pump pheromones through the AC <laughs> just to like get everybody going. Um, but yeah, it's great, man. I mean, it's it's really cool just to have so many people come in that are like super knowledgeable and, and like want to learn about wine. Nobody ever comes in and says, I only like this type of wine. Um, pretty much everybody that comes in, uh, no matter what age they are, just kind of open to like whatever we're into. And I don't know, that's like the best for us because we, we don't have to watch what we do. We can just do whatever. We can play hip hop and drink weird wine and drink like classic wine and it's all good. Now, I remember looking through the, the wines there and just, like, getting excited about each. I was like, oh, and even I think I emailed you, like, a few weeks or a few, like, month after saying, I really should have bought that bottle when I was there. And you're like, ah, oh, it's so small production. It's already sold out. Uh, <laughs> but other than the wine being delicious, like, do you guys have a philosophy? Is there something that goes into it, uh, into your selections for, for which wines you represent? Yeah, we, we really just, we want something for everyone. Um if somebody comes in, they want a buttery oaky Chardonnay, like, we got it. Um, if somebody comes in, they want, like, an Amphora aged weird Georgian wine, like, we got it. Um, a big thing with us is, uh, you know, education. So we do a Monday night blind tasting class um, every week. And so it's really important for us to always have in stock classic wines uh, that we can feature in that class. Um, but, I mean, pretty much every other week, Stevie and I walk through the shop and and really just, like, kind of look at it from, like, a guest standpoint and see, like, do we have all of our areas covered? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to miss things like, I want a big, ripe, opulent, juicy, full-bodied and, you know, dark red, and I only want to spend 
less than 20 or maybe even less than 15 or I want to spend a lot. So we try to find those holes Mm -hmm. and I I don't know. I think sometimes it sounds at least to me, almost like a cop out, like we try to have something for everyone, but it's not because we want everybody to feel really comfortable and start with what they know. And then we can gradually gain their trust and lead them into some different cool, something off the beaten path for them. Um, and we have a really small select, I mean, I don't know, there's probably, four to five hundred SKUs in the shop so we can always switch things out and always be playing with new things and Mm -hmm. always introducing people to new things and then the common thread that runs through all of them is they're all small production they're all what we I think within our industry kind of consider benchmarks and really classics in their categories whether that's something weird or Mm -hmm. more traditional and is that is that partly because you have a hard time? I mean, you're, you're saying you know maybe you don't list as many, have as many wines, or you have to consciously think, all right, I need something that's really big and jammy that's fifteen dollars. That because maybe that's something that you guys don't drink as much of in your mm-hmm. in your own time. Is that something that's harder to sort of choose for the store? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely takes like a lot of like thinking. You know, like you always have to put like just think about like what everybody would like want to come in and drink like you it's know it's really easy to fall into the like classic sommelier cool wine kid track and of course like i, I can't deny that we have palettes that lean in that lower alcohol higher acid style and we like playful things but there's also plenty of occasions where really like a really ripe juicy argentinian malbec is what fits the bill mm-hmm. and i am never going to be too cold to carry that I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I love about your store is how approachable it is. It feel it just feels good, and you guys are so, so nice. Uh, but on that note, we're going to take a quick approachable break from our uh, sponsors. Awesome. All right. We'll be right back. And this one is called French Entrance by Teeth People. We'll be right back. When you talk about Campari, one of the first things that comes to mind is the inimitable and ubiquitous Negroni cocktail, a favorite of Heritage Radio Networks. Joe Campanelli, host of In the Drink on Heritage Radio, talks about the interesting history of the Negroni cocktail. The the classic Milano Torino, which is better known as the Americano cocktail, which is Campari, good red vermouth. Use good red vermouth like Carpano Antica formula, Contrado, Cochi Vermouth Torino, one of those, and soda water. Then later on in its uh, history was transformed into the Negroni, which substituted good gin for the soda water, something a little bit stronger. Count Negroni spent many years traveling the Midwest, the Southwest of the United States, found a penchant for strong drinks, and later went to London where he started to like his gin, brought that all back to his favorite bar in Florence and said, I'll take one of those Americano cocktails, but make it stronger, make mine with gin. And such was birthed the Negroni cocktail. Um, and now it's really popular. I find that people are asking for Negronis with agave-based spirits, uh, mezcal or tequila Negronis, especially mezcal, a little more popular. Um, so mezcal Negronis are really delicious. Experiment with your own Negroni recipe and enjoy it with Campari for a perfect cocktail creation. For more information, visit Campari.com. Please enjoy responsibly. 
All right, we're back with the owners of Bay Grape in Oakland, California, uh, Stevie Stasianis and Josiah Baldovino. This is one of my favorite wine stores in the country. Um, it is just an outstanding place. They have an incredible selection of great wines. You can actually buy the wines there and drink them there for a $5 corkage fee. So much less than you would find them at a local wine bar or restaurant, um, which is pretty, pretty exciting. I mean, does, what does that allow you guys to do? It's something that we're not allowed to do here in New York. And, uh, that, that's kind of crazy to me, but, uh, uh, what does, what does that allow you to do? It seems like it's a lot of fun. You can have fun with it. It's a little, it's just tons of fun. First of all, people open things, people that don't know anything about wine open really legit stuff and get completely blown away. And, um, we get to introduce them to a lot of, of great different stuff, but also I think most importantly for us, it gives us a, an in to have more of a conversation with the guests as they're enjoying, um, and to be able to really focus on education. That was sort of one of our main tenets and goals of what we wanted to do in the space is be able to get regular everyday people learning a little bit more about Mm -hmm. wine, learning about the vocabulary around wine so they can describe what they want. So we spend quite a bit of time with every single guest that comes in, whether they're picking out a bottle to stay or to go, or whether they're doing one of our tastings or classes, focusing in on education in a really low-key, relaxed way. Yeah, talk a little bit about education, because I know that both of you guys have have been through the court of uh, Master Sommeliers, and other people on your staff have, have also uh, have also done that. How has uh, formal education uh, impacted the way that you approach education for the, you know, for the maybe non-professionals? Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think that it's turned us on sort of like we were just talking about that idea of having something for everyone. It's turned us on to classic wines from everywhere and shown us that it's important to have all of those and to understand them. Because if you don't understand what an Australian Shiraz is and what it tastes like and what's appropriate for it, then you can't sell it and you can't really put any context to these other quirky wines that are off spinning from it or from other things. Um, And then it's changed for me, at least personally, very much the way that I sell wine. Um, I focus a lot on having people forget about varieties that they know, or maybe regions that they know. For example, we arrange our wines by weight or body, um, in terms of grape or region, because most people know four or five classic grape varieties and have no idea why the burgundy that they got, the red burgundy was nothing like that really juicy, ripe, Sonoma Pinot that they love. Mm-hmm. So instead talking about like, okay, do you want something lighter, fuller in body? Do you want something that has more tannin structure or less? And by tannins, I mean that grippy sensation that you, you kind of feel sticking in your mouth. Do you like that or do you not like that? Oh, you don't like that, but you're having ribeye? Well, let me tell you why this might be a good thing. So we use a lot of that language that we learned from that very tangibly with guests in the shop. Um, and then again, try to introduce them to both classics and off the beaten path because we understand all of those and the court really forced us to have a in-depth, broad knowledge. Right. So there's a practical application for all of that, all of that studying. It's helped you with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and especially too, like, A, it was really good when we first opened the shop because, you know, it gave Stevie and I like our foundation and our pedigree and all that stuff. But more importantly, like, you know, as we started hiring people, 
we weren't hiring people that were already like psalms or super knowledgeable about wine. The most important thing for us is to hire somebody that has like a good attitude and a good vibe and that's like cool with people when they come in. So for us, uh, what we do is we hire based on personality and then all the wine and shit, like we can teach them that. Mm -hmm. And that's something where I think the court comes in. That's really great because it gives them that like kind of found like that foundation. Um, currently, um, we have what? Five certified sommeliers on staff. Yeah. Or higher. Wow. Seven. I was going to say how many, it's a small story. How many people do you have on staff? Seven. Yeah. Five out of seven are certified or higher. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And two are working on their certified Cicerone as well. Mm-hmm. So we have, Which we is like are. the beer sommelier. Thing. And you guys can sell beer as well as wine there, right? Yeah. Because we can't yeah. do that here in New York either. Beer, wine, and yeah. craft cider is what we have. No booze. That's a separate license. No booze. Yeah. yeah no hard alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, can do, we can do wine and hard al- alcohol, but we can't do wine and beer. Yeah, Weird. it's so 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 strange. He's every like, every state is different. Like here, you guys can't charge for wine tastings at a shop, but in California, we have do. to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's all strange. I would and just I guess one last thing to circle back on: the court emphasizes service and humility very mm-hmm. dramatically, and that is something I don't know. I don't know how much it is here in New York, but inevitably you go to certain places and there is that attitude of. Um, snobbery or sort of uh, I'm above you and the court to its credit really de-emphasizes that and emphasizes humility and so that's something that we have sort of imbued into all of our service and really coach into our staff quite dramatically and I I do I mean humbly I think it does set us apart from um, a lot of other shops and uh, restaurant wine mm-hmm. programs. If anybody, any of our staff, we catch them acting <laughs> douchey, then they get written up. <laughs> no. Just kidding. Official formal. You were douchey in this yeah. instance. <laughs> is this your first douchey warning? I uh, hereby admit I was uh, douchey. You only get one douchey warning the next uh, year. <laughs> uh, can you guys talk about, uh, I know Josiah worked at uh, Silver Lake, uh, which is a really famous uh, wine store in California. Uh-huh. And Stevie, uh, you worked with, with Crush. Like, How has your past experience in retail, what have you taken from from that, that you know, inform your uh, inform your own store. Yeah, store. At- <laughs> store. 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 Stoka. Um, I think for me, like uh, working at Silver Lake was really cool because I mean they're cool. Like you go in there and it doesn't feel like a normal wine shop. It's not stuffy. It's very open. Like you know, the owners are just like super cool, very knowledgeable. And like I don't know, it's nice to like talk to somebody about wine and then they just drop an f bomb. Like, to me, that just sheds all signs and all feelings of douchiness. And it just kind of, like, makes you feel like you're just talking to, like, a normal person. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's just just juice. So, like, there's no need to get, like, super crazy about talking about it. Absolutely. On the opposite side of that, I worked at Crush, and I dealt with a lot of really high-end collectors that knew way more than probably I will ever know, for example, about Burgundy. And now... we have, we have a, a pretty legitimate selection at our shop. And so we definitely also, in addition to our regular Oakland clientele that maybe knows knows very, very little, um, we get people in that know their shit. And um, being able to sort of talk that talk is really relevant for me. Being confident enough in my knowledge and 
able to sell things and able to delineate the differences between the different ludies of Burgundy, for example, that mm -hmm. we have is invaluable. I mean, I think it, it does give us credibility and Josiah as well. He did not work with any kind of podunk programs in New York or That's San right. Francisco. Yeah. And so while we can, we, I, I guess the point is we can play kind of both sides of that card. And I, I do think it, it is to our benefit because we have such a diverse clientele. Yeah. You spoke about how, how awesome and diverse everyone is, uh, in, in Oakland. Um, but what is it like in the, to have a wine store in what is essentially wine country, right? You're, I guess, just South of, of Napa and Sonoma, but, um, you know, that all of California, like this is like a, it's like a world-class wine region uh uh it's like called coastal california mm -hmm. uh does that really inform what people are like how does that just you know affect having a retail store like can you do you have more access to growers do people only want to drink local wines what what, what does it do people know uh, first of all a lot of people in the bay area know a lot about wine mm. i mean compared to other markets that i've worked in because we have that access well they do in new york too though yeah, um, but, but being able to go up to wine country and sort of learn some of that vocabulary and learn like different practices, I think brings people into the shop with a admittedly higher level of knowledge. And so that, that's wonderful. But I don't know the feeling that I get most that I love the most and really what's what brought me back to California was just the sense of community and in in the Bay Area having access to those growers and really not having access sounds too formal I mean they're friends they really are they're people that we hang out with and everybody is very collaborative rather than competitive and really genuinely excited about what each other is doing and supportive of that and so we get people in all the time from all aspects of the industry that are excited to support each other and I don't know, it's really kind of a, a, a beautiful, it sounds sort of cheesy, but a, a really beautiful community that exists there. And I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful to get to introduce guests to those producers and, mm -hmm. and then eventually send them up um, to visit them. And they realize that they're just everyday people. It's not these big, illustrious wineries that are, you know, run by some huge corporation. It's, it's just everyday people like us. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah. The kind of the, the fancier the winery, like the more, especially like in California, the more skeptical like I am about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, they're, yeah, they're just like nice people. It's their home. and Yeah. Uh, I feel bad sometimes because people ask like, oh, can I go up and, and set up a winery visit with, with, with um, Megan and Ryan Glab? I'm like, oh, I don't think they do that. They don't really have that. They would love to see you, but they also got to see, you know, if their kids have something going on that day oh or it's, it's literally like you're going to be tasting out of these people's homes very frequently. Um, and that that's really eye opening for guests and really gets them, I think, excited about it. So it's an honor to be able to do it. Yeah. It's just dope to like, really like support like that type of wine person. You know, you're not just pumping money into like a big corporation. Like these are like families that like rely on like us buying wine from them mm -hmm. to like send their kids to school or whatever um it's just really cool it's cool like watching their kids grow and just kind of growing with the family and like 
I don't know. I'm, I'm super fortunate to be so close to wine country for that. Yeah. For that oh, reason. See, there's a little bit of your philosophy also that, that you're supporting people who are making mm-hmm. wine as opposed to like big corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of the wines you have have such great personalities and are, are, are so interesting. Are, are there any wineries that, uh, that maybe we don't know about yet here on the East coast that are, are exciting that, that are locals or something that's like really up and coming that you guys are pretty in the know. You guys know it's everything. Hard. We know it all. We know it's, it's, it all. You guys get like bigger allocations of certain California wines than I think get we get in New here. York. No it's crazy. Way. Yeah. Um, I have one in mind. I would say um, John Donahue from The and Thou is oh, making yeah. really amazing stuff that I'm super stoked on and that I have not seen out here. Um, he worked um, up at. Uh, <laughs> Close around. Close around. Um, and now is making these gorgeous Sanso, Syrah, um, Carignan kind of blends. He makes a, um, a Merlot as well. They're beautiful and I think really exciting. So that's the one I got. Oh, yeah. John Keyes is doing John some really Keys cool too. shit. Uh, he does like an Albarino. He also does like really awesome like Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. Um, who else? Hmm. That's about it. So John, John <laughs> Keys is the winery, and the and now is another one. Uh-huh. All right, yeah. All right, so look out for those. I mean, that's yeah. that's exciting. That's now, good intel. Now we're not going to be able. We're not going to be able to get the wine. Oh no! <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> we don't have that many listeners. But I love, oh, I know I love what both else. Of you. Are you guys getting? I'm sure you are. You're getting Metro de Shy out here, which is Alex Pitts oh, yeah. um, from Scolium Project. It's his label that just started, but he's very well connected in New York, so I'm sure that you guys are getting that as well. Metro de Shy. Metro de Shy. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. When you are out in California, you can go to Bay Grape. And I'm sure, can you, do you guys deliver to New York, by the way? Uh, we can ship to New can York. Can you ship to New York? So go online and look at their website. The selection is outstanding. You can get great wines that are hand-chosen by uh, Josiah and Stevie. But come visit us instead. It's more fun. Yeah. Yeah, you get to meet Napoleon if you come visit yeah. us. Napoleon, the guard dog, uh-huh. uh, and the soon to be Bambino or Bambina. Bambino. Bambino. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Thank True you. True family wine store. That is awesome. Uh, thank you guys. It's been such a pleasure. Thank having you, you so drink. much. Thank you. I also okay. wanted to thank uh, David Tadashore and Aaron Fairbanks and the whole team from Heritage Radio Network. You guys are awesome. Thanks to all the listeners and to our sponsor, Campari. Uh, Love, we're going to have some Negronis now, maybe. <laughs> Sounds yeah. awesome. All right, mm-hmm. take care. This has been In the Drink. We'll see you in the fall. Right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.